Welcome to another trip down the Bourbon Road with your hosts, Jim and Mike. So grab a glass of your favorite bourbon and kick back. We would like to thank our friends at Premium Bar Products for sponsoring this episode. If you're ready to step up your game at your home bar, check out premiumbarproducts.com to choose from their wide selection of glassware, all of which can be custom engraved with your personal message or logo. And there's no minimum order. So after the episode, head over to premiumbarproducts.com and check out everything they have to offer. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody. I'm Jim Shannon. And I'm Mike Hyatt. This is The Bourbon Road. And today, Mike, we are out on a back porch somewhere. Yeah, we're at our good buddy Rob Carter's house out here on his newly refurbished back porch. Now, is this the first time we've recorded an episode at a roadie's house? I think so. This is I'm pretty positive. This is the first time we've did one outside, too. So, out till two first today, outside at a roadie's house. Brand new uh, outside cafe here. You got here, Rob. Yeah. Welcome to the party barn. Yeah. <laughs> and we got another guy that's been on before. Big, big seven footer, Matt Simons. Thank you all for having me again. And Rob, I got to say, man, this place is pretty cool. I mean, it's nothing like having a covered patio with TV and a little fire pit, and cigars flowing, a little bourbon. Yeah, I mean, it's a 90 degree day today, but under here with the fan going, it feels like mid to high seventies. Yeah. I'm not bad. Pretty no. good, Rob. Thank you. You're yeah. going to put a bar here. Yep. You'll, we'll be coming over all the time. Bars next. It's all about friendship. <laughs> well, I saw you put a privacy kind of fence around your hot tub. You got to keep some of my friends at a distance. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the kind of friends you, you need, right? <laughs> all right, Mike. So today we got kind of a special show. We've got the four of us together to talk about a subject. Why don't you kind of give us a lead in there and tell everybody what's going on? So everybody watches Netflix, right? Everybody likes to Netflix and chill, as I like to call it. Um, Is that what she calls it? That's what my wife calls it. Netflix and chill. (laughs) (laughs) But the show Heist on there has came out, and two of the episodes, they called it the Bourbon King, which was kind of offensive to me, but um, it was about the Pappy Heist at Buffalo Trace and over in Frankfort, Kentucky. And I thought we could sit down and discuss that while we're drinking some whiskey um, from two of the distilleries involved because Buffalo Trace wasn't the only distillery involved, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was also Wild Turkey, which a lot of people didn't know. Um, I don't think either four of us knew that it was Wild Turkey also. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's just something I recently learned. Yeah, yeah, which was a neat fact and stuff. And that was whole barrels of of wild turkey. So what I brought on the show today uh, was a bottle of Eagle Rare, which is a 10-year, right? The stamp still on the back, and a deal of Rusk Reserve 10-year. And I figured that would be right around that time. And those barrels, they got stolen. They'd be about 10 years old now. Yeah, so it was 2013, right? Yeah, somewhere around right, there. When it all started. Yeah. Right around 2013. Well, that's when the Pappy Gate investigation started. But I think Stealing whiskey for a long, long yeah, time. People yeah, people been dipping into in, barrels for a while, haven't they? Yeah, you don't get into the investigation mode till you've been taking the bourbon for a couple of years at <laughs> least. <laughs> so I thought we'd discuss that and um, on our four viewpoints, just kind of talk about that while we're sipping on some bourbon. So everybody right now has some Eagle Rare tenure in their in their glass. Well, let's sip on it and talk about it, Mike. Yeah, let's do it. All right. 
Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Cheers. We also got some cigars going here to add to the ambiance. Yeah. What you guys smoking on? You know, I'm going to I'm going to not lie and I'm going to be completely transparent, but I am smoking one of the, the best cheap cigars that I've found. I have smoked a lot of cheap cigars looking for like a three or four dollar cigar that is worth a darn. And I've never found one until I was an executive cigar in Simpsonville, Kentucky, and they have one from the Quorum brand and Quorum is known as a cheap cigar and they have many that are no good, but they have one called the Havana and it is excellent. I bought a 20 pack of them for 60 bucks. So it's like $3 a cigar. Wow. And it's a, it's a really good cigar. I wouldn't put it up there with, you know, the great cigars, a Liga Provada or whatever, you know, but it's for $3. It doesn't taste like they swept it off the floor and into a, a cigar and rolled it up. You know, it's not bad. It's got some uh, earth tone to it. It's got a little spice. It's got some body. Um, and for the price, I like to smoke one cigar every day. Uh, if possible, I didn't smoke one on Sunday cause I smoked two on Saturday and I felt like crap the next day. Uh, but at that, you can't smoke $10 cigars every day like that, unless you got it like that, which is okay. That's cool. Uh, but I found these. And so that's what I'm smoking tonight, uh, out here on the new, we got to come up with a name for this. I know we called it the party barn, not quite a party barn, but it's like, uh, the shed. We're going to have a name. A naming party. <laughs> Bring a bottle, submit a name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, we got a few listeners. I'm sure will appreciate that cigar review and we'll probably pop right out and try to find one here pretty soon. Rob, what are you smoking on? I was doing a uh, blueberry Swisher sweet that somebody dropped on me <laughs> one day. <laughs> cheap cigar. Yeah, totally <laughs> cheap cigar. I thought he had one of them blunts over there. You know what I mean? Yeah, 18? Yeah, well, you know what? I'm trying to re- recapture my youth over here. and Trying uh, to grow some hair back. Somebody gave me those and I'd hanging on to it. And I forgot how good they were. Hey, but, no uh, no shame. Your cigar your way, right, Mike? Yeah, hey. <laughs> smoke it if you got it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to have some Boone's Farm Tickle Pink here when y'all leave, too. <laughs> All right, so back to the Eagle Rare. Any comments? Well, this this bottle has made a a presence or two on the podcast, um, so we know it's it's a great bourbon, right? Some people say that you know you'll get a bottle every now and again that's not all that great of Eagle Rare, but to this date, <laughs> I haven't had a bottle that's been bad. Yeah, I, I've had some that are exceptional. Oh yeah, but I've had I don't think I've had a bad one. No, um, you know. I, I'm glad you framed it that way because I was thinking about that as you were saying, it, and I was like, "Yeah, I think I've had one before that I thought, but but I think it was because I've had many that have been exceptional, and I'm like, ooh, really good, and then I've had some that are like, oh, you know, this is it's not what I remember the last one being, but it not bad. I mean, and you know, once again, there's that economy of scale, right? But uh, no, I mean, I think Eagle Rare is um, for the price when you can find it. If you had a friend in from out of state or, or just a friend over and you had a bottle of Eagle Rare and you break it out, somebody's like, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It's really nice. I always get a real uh, detectable smoky flavor that I always recognize when I do the Eagle Rare. So You know how you, you, know how you identify an authority on, on bourbon? They're the ones with the empty glass. He's got, he's got, he don't even have regular whiskey glasses, beer glasses. He's drinking out of, he's drinking out of a chalice. I think it, this one's, it, 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 
it's long lasting. It's got that long finish on it. It's got that right amount of spice on the back end. I know, Jim, you're just loving that, right? I do. And it's got that sweetness up forward <laughs> that I love. That's why I think we just really dig these Eagle Rare bottles. Um, they just hit the spot. They're the right age, 10 years here in Kentucky. I mean, thirty five ninety nine. I think that's what this bottle I picked it up for. Can you beat that? No. Ten year bourbon, and you can still find it. You know, you can still find pics of this bourbon when you go out and find them at restaurants. You can find them at uh, package stores. You know, yeah. I mean, you got one at uh, Doc Crow's. Both of us bought a bottle of that we couldn't pass it up, right? I think sure. it was like fifty bucks, fifty dollars. Which you know, you're going to pay ten to fifteen over on a pick bottle because you know it costs more. For a, for a package store or a restaurant to put out a pick bottle. so Well, you, you know, uh, on the Eagle Rare, well, on bourbon in general, you know, and if I said this guy's name, you both know what I'm talking about. He's a, a bourbon connoisseur critic, guy that does things, writes things, attends things, speaks at things. People hire him to come talk about bourbon. And I was speaking to him off mic um, one day at an event uh, for the Crohn's and Colitis Society downtown Louisville that I was doing the sound for. And he was telling me his tasting notes, you know, kind of just in general, it makes a good bourbon is what my question was. And he mentioned that long finish. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, if it has a long finish of some sort, he said, people like what they like. He said, but that, that long finish indicates a high quality. Yeah. And he said, he, and I was asking him about Oh, four straight 86. Cause I just think it's a solid bourbon for the price. Yeah. He's like, Hey, it is a solid bourbon for the price, but just notice that finish is not real long. You know, it's uh, it, it jumps off pretty quick. Um, he said, now notice something like a, and I think we uh, we were talking about the wild turkey rare breed barrel proof or whatever. And he was like, notice how long that sits, you know, on your tongue and just hangs out. That The Eagle Rare does that too. Yeah, no doubt. A long finish is something that you're always looking for. You're especially looking for it when you have a good finish, you know, a, a, a flavorful finish, one that is pleasing to you. When it's pleasing to you and it lasts long, that's a double header right there. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know. Ten thirty five dollars is not breaking the bank at all, right? Um, and when you can get something like that, both of these bottles tonight are at that thirty five dollar range. So to me, you know, when I find those those thirty five dollar bottles that are ten years old, um, and the three that come to mind are these two bottles right here, and from another distillery would be the Henry McKenna ten year. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, good luck on finding that nowadays. Yeah, I, you know, sometimes I just I'm a lucky man. Hey, uh, they had some here in town recently at the new uh, place out uh, past uh, Collins High School there, here in Shelbyville. But yeah, he had he had, he had two bottles sitting there. I pulled the trigger on one. Yeah, good deal. Yeah. It's always you know, it's always a good day when you can find a bottle of, of McKenna Ten. I've still got. Well, I had two bottles left out of my, I had bought like two cases of it right about the time it won world whiskey of the year. Uh, I went out and bought two cases of it because I knew it was going to get harder to get. And it did. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, I used to uh, buy it at Evergreen Liquors in Louisville for 35 bucks and all day. Bought two, two cases of it. And I've been sipping off those 4,000 series bottles now for, oh, probably, what has it been? Five years now. I got two, had two bottles left. Randy came into town about a week or so ago, and I just I saw the look on his face. I had to give him a bottle, so gave him a bottle. I got one left. That happens sometimes. One left. That happens. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. I think I like the smokiness, the oakiness. It's definitely an oaky bourbon. It's it it's got that ten year uh, palette to it. It's a little bit drying on the back. 
little bit sweet up front. It's got that spice, a little bit of smoky, oaky kind of. It, it tastes like a rickhouse a little bit, right? I love it. It's a great bourbon, and that's why you can't find it. Well, it's also, you can't find it because it's made by Buffalo Trace. <laughs> but, but it's also a very good bourbon, a 10-year bourbon for a good price. Rob obviously loves it. Pour mm. another beer. I don't know. Is that a beer or? <laughs> I'm here. It's radio. I'm here for the radio. Long it's haul. podcast. You can't see the glass, but it's like uh, he's drinking out of what I would describe as what you like a tulip almost that you would drink like a Belgian out of or a, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. Now those are eight ounce tulips, right? Yeah, and he's got about a four ounce pour in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big nice pour. So, I guess to start our conversation, so it came out. It's a heavily discussed episode on Netflix, right? It's two episodes and Toby, the guy that he didn't get caught still in the pappy. He got caught with uh, five barrels of wild turkey from the Frankfurt Police Department while they were searching. They got a, somebody tipped him off and stuff, but it starts out where he started it. He started his 28 years at Buffalo Trace in his first day, they brought him in and said, hey, try some of this. And he looked around. I thought like, it was a trick. Yeah. Are these guys testing me or not? You know, and he ends the show and says, you tell me if you didn't have two bottles of Pappy Van Winkle sitting in front of them. It's your work. You wouldn't take them. And me and my wife looked at each other and said, nope, sure wouldn't. I couldn't do it. Ironically, Pam and I were staring at one another and said the same thing. It's like, eh, you know, I don't think so. Let me, can I get on the pulpit for a minute? And and I won't go all the way out there on the pulpit, but let me say this. And we were talking about this off, off, uh, off air here, off mic. There are universal truths, no matter what you believe in, what your beliefs are, you know, spiritually. But one of them is, you know, thou shalt not kill. I think we can all agree that killing, bad. And thou should not steal. You shouldn't steal something that's yours. And, and corporate theft sometimes takes on a, a you know, white collar crime or stealing from the man takes on a different uh, a cloak sometimes. And I, and I do get that. I don't, I don't want to say that, but you, you don't steal, you know, and you, you just you just don't do that. And those things, though, no matter what you believe, and I believe uh, in more of a uh, an organized spiritual theme. I'm a Christian, right? But those things always come to light because they're wrong. And eventually someone grows a conscience and they they tell. Someone tipped off the Frankfurt Police Department. Why? Because they knew about it and they were laying there one night and they thought, you know what? This is wrong. This is not right. And, he, you know, and, it, and you can turn a blind eye to things that are fun and things that are... Um, yeah, I don't know. In recreation, bourbon, beer, uh, gambling. Oh, you know, the guy's just, it's, he's my bookie on the side here, you know, and, and I don't want to get into that whole can of words, but you know what I'm saying is that, um, you know, those things aren't sanctioned. And, and th- this was theft at the core of it. It was theft. It's stealing. Um, and so that's my two cents on it. But, um, and to extrapolate a little further from what you're saying, you know, being the oldest guy here by a long shot, you know, we talked about earlier. I don't know. Uh, it's not a long shot. Not a long shot. You're, you're, you're getting up there, Jim. <laughs> you're a young looking dude, though. Got all that hair. What the hell? <laughs> but, you know, a culture was set way back, man. I I, I remember um, you know, I had 
buddies way back that, uh, uh, you know, there. if you're in the bourbon industry, it flowed freely and it was sanctioned by the, you know, by, by the industry and those in power. And um, I don't know, you know, we, I guess we've all kind of cultures changed. We've grown up a little bit and realized there's some perils involved with the overindulgence, but um, you know, it, it's kind of tough, you know, we're all kind of buddies here, you know, and can you imagine being in the middle of that? And, you know, these guys were all buddies and, you know, man, that rocked their world. And these, these were all good guys. At the core, they were all good guys, and uh, you know I, I could see me being good buddies with them. You know, and it, it might not have bothered me so much. You know, I, all four of us are sitting here, and all four of us have did some kind of sin in our life. Um, yes, sir. In the dark, and we thought nobody would see. And you know, I'm sure each one of us to the man would say, "Yeah, we we did that." We, but at some point, we were like can I get some for, for forgiveness from this? And I, uh, I wronged somebody or I did some this wrong or did that wrong. My grandfather used to always say, what you do in the dark, come out in the light, you know, and if you kind of live by that motto, but also he said, Hey, if you do something wrong, admit up to it and ask for forgiveness and learn from that. And what struck me wrong is at the very end of that whole documentary, it didn't sound like he, he was, he was upset that he got caught and placed a lot of blame on the, the sheriff himself and say it's political and it's um, he's trying to make a name for himself. And um, but at the end, he still said, you know, you tell me if you didn't have two bottles set in front of you, you wouldn't take them. I um, would hope that most people would answer. Probably not. They wouldn't do it. You know, I think most yeah. people wouldn't do it. Um, I think there's a certain amount of people that would, who thinks it harms nobody, you know, they got all the, my Buffalo trace has all the money in the world. They're not going to miss a few bottles or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, it's wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> well, you know, Johnny cash, he got it one piece at a time yeah. <laughs> and it didn't cost him a dime. Yeah. You know, and you knew it was him when he came through your town, <laughs> he's going to drive everybody wild, you know, ride around in style. You know, GM wouldn't miss just a little piece. Now, we all I talk. Get, I get that. But, you know, listen, I think we all laid out four good perspectives on that. And, Rob, I appreciate you saying that because you're right. Back in the 70s, 80s, yeah. when you couldn't give bourbon away, it was sanctioned at the distilleries. It was. And even, you know, my aunt works at a distillery and and they don't steal. But uh, until the last five or 10 years when a, a larger national company or international company took them over uh they you know when it comes christmas time they'll here have a bottle have a case have a this have a that uh you know especially stuff they didn't sell or you know whatever you know they would they would give it out and uh but but that's fine they they gave it out right you know um and you know rob when you when you said that though it, it, you know, it takes me back to i'm sure all those guys are good guys probably great guys play softball with pitch some horseshoes with, hang out, drink some bourbon down at the lake. But at the end of the day, my mom said two things to me that, that, that just keep popping in my mind when you were talking there. Birds of a feather flock together. And if you, all your buddies jump off the bridge and ask you to do it, are you going to do it too? Mm. Now, it depends on how high the bridge is and how deep the water is, maybe. Or how hot the day is. If it's <laughs> yeah. a hot day, I might yeah. jump off I the bridge. I might jump off the bridge. <laughs> so it, there's no, listen, there is no right or wrong answer to this. There's some gray area here, Big Chief. I mean, there's some gray area on this.
I think what happens is, is you get rolling on a heist like this. And even when you start getting investigated and you're like, they got nothing. They haven't even they haven't talked to me. I'm not, you know, and when I'll tell you this, it were all of my sins, not all, but a lot of the sins that I've done in my life has been, I've been desperate. And when you need money and you don't know where the money's coming from and you're overextended and mama needs a new pair of shoes, um, you do dumb stuff sometimes, you know? And so there's some gray areas to this. I'm not going to give the guy a damnation, but I'm also not going to give him a, a, a pass. A pass. Yeah. Um, I think it was a dumb decision. Um, you know, they say he's not a bad guy. He made bad decisions. Well, that's what bad guys do. They make bad decisions. And, um, and if he can humble himself and say, Hey, I did some wrong here and own it. He all right. He'll be all right. I don't know. I don't think he owned it. You know, how long has it been since he did? He, he hasn't owned it yet. I don't think, you know, you don't go on a documentary and say, you know, what would you do? And, um, but see, now you got me defending the guy because that's editing. Yeah. He might've said that in the first sentence he, and he, then they threw it on the last he, sentence. And that's what we don't know. Yeah. Is that's right, true. How it was yeah, that's true. Yeah. They finished the show with that, mm-hmm. yeah. which, you know, we don't know what the, what the, what the editor did. Yeah. yeah. The other thing is, is they made, uh, Pat is a Pat Tillman. Was that Melton? Pat Milton, they made the sheriff look like the bad guy. And I was like, man, this is making, you know, being law enforcement myself for so many years, making the the police officer look like the bad guy because he was doing his job and making his sheriff's department do their job and showing the public that they're doing their job. But, that, but that's what's popular now, Mike. You, the, to make the police look bad. I mean, I don't. Let's not get out there on. Well, on that's a different I, time, two thousand thirteen. Yeah, but get. But they just published the documentary. See, yeah, we're talking yeah. about editing and putting the show oh, yeah, together, oh, yeah. right? And, and and there's no tinfoil out here, so I can't make a hat. But, but you he know, did not get reelected. Well, and that, you know, that's a whole other can of worms yeah. because it's like society tells us that it's okay to steal from the man. Ah, it's okay to run a few bets on the side. Oh, it's, oh, you know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, he probably did get reelected because people were like, oh, man, he dried up my pappy. Yeah, I don't think as a general rule, society makes it okay to steal from the man. I don't I don't know that that's true. I, I think you can still have a, sort of a, a moral fence that guides you, right? Yep, I agree. Yeah, I well, I, I, that's what was my original point was. I think those things are innate. Yeah, I, I feel like they are because because you know that's wrong. Because like the guy said, he thought they were testing him. Mm-hmm. Well, why would he say that they thought he were they were testing him? Because he knew this is wrong. That's right. That's a, that's his knower. That's his knower telling him what he what he should know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's wrong to drink on the job. It's wrong to take from the you know. Yeah. He knew that. Now, when I one of the first distilleries I'd ever went to was Heaven Hill, and the. Uh, the tour guide there. I wish I'd have known this guy's name, but he, I'd say he was in his seventies at the, at the time. That's Ken. I think Ken, isn't it? <sighs> I'm not sure what his name was. He, he was older and he, he, he was telling me he was like one of his first week on a job. He, he's 18 year old guy. It might've been him. Um, he said, you know, they, they said, you want to get some whiskey out of this barrel boy? He said, yeah. Well, how do we get it out of there? And he said, well, you got any money in your pocket? He said he got paid back then in cash. Mm. And so he he took out the only money he had was a $100 bill and rolled it up, stuck it partway in the barrel, and sucked out some bourbon. 
<laughs> and he said it burnt so damn bad because it's barrel proof, right? Yeah. He blew that $100 back into the barrel, and they were like, $100 gone, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so he had to go home and tell his dad. His, his dad said, you know, back then, he said, he, he said, I have to go home and I give all my money to my parents. I lived at home still. And uh, he said, I got home and my dad said, did you get paid today? And he said, I had to tell him that story and my dad didn't drink. Man, well, hmm. he, that that time, you know, he probably scared to death. Oh, well, a hundred dollars back, you know, if he was seventy years old, let's say, whenever, and he was, yeah, yeah, back in that time, hundred dollars is big money. That's the mortgage payment. Bro. Oh yeah, Heck but yeah. I got to thinking about that when I was watching that documentary a day, and I, that's where <laughs> he started at. Now, where Toby, you know, maybe sipping the product on a deal. Hey, that's buying into your product, and maybe the distillery wasn't. Um, Maybe they didn't care about that. And maybe they didn't care giving out a couple cases here and there uh, when they're giving it, when they're saying, here, take this. Because I've lived by Anheuser-Busch and had neighbors that worked at Anheuser-Busch, and they would, hey, you drink Budweiser? I'll get you a couple cases. I get I did get two cases every Friday when we leave work. They, yeah. they give them to us. They're exactly. not taking them. They're giving them to yeah. us. Um, so maybe Buffalo Trace back then did give out some bourbon and say, here's here's some bourbon, and and that was common practice in the deal. But at some point, there's a difference between your employer saying, here's some samples of our product um, to back in your pickup up to the warehouse mm-hmm. loading dock, yeah. and your buddy saying, let me load you up with a couple pallets of Eagle Rare. That's uh, you know that's that's brazen. Yeah. Yeah. As I as I get deeper into this class of Eagle Rare, you know what I think of? <laughs> I wish I'd known that guy back then. <laughs> <laughs> now we did talk about that, right? Now, now here's the thing: come, some guy comes to me and says, "Hey, you want a bottle of Pappy for four hundred dollars?" If I'm into Pappy, which you all know I'm not, uh, don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll try some of yours if you got it. Um, I, yeah. You know, hey, I got a, I got a couple of bottles of Eagle Rare. You want some twenty bucks a piece? Yep, give me four. You know, whatever. If it's uh, if it's selling below retail, yeah, you got to ask some questions. Well, you know, and here's the thing though, I don't know if his grandma gave him some bottles and he don't drink. That's true. So I, if somebody somebody backs up to your house and says, "Hey, I got a, I'll sell you a whole barrel of wild turkey." <laughs> <laughs> now I'm asking questions for three thousand dollars. Yeah, now and I'm you asking know questions. That, Wild turkey would probably, I don't know what a wild turkey barrel would go for. <laughs> oh, $16,000. Yeah, 10 to 15000 yeah. 10 to 15000 yeah. right? I went high, but yeah. He says, hey, take 3000 for that whole barrel. No, but, but, but see, I, I know that I know the three-tier distribution system and all that stuff, too. I know that there's they're not selling barrels. It, when I was at that Crohn's and Colitis uh, Association thing with the bourbon guy, uh, you know, they auctioned off a barrel of Knob Creek. Somebody bought it for $15,000 to benefit the charity. It was donated. But then they take that and then they bottle it. And then those 183 bottles or whatever are then given to that person for their own, you know. Well, actually, it's not even given to that person. It's given to a liquor store that then. They can go pick it up. They go pick it up. And then they do with it what they want, which I'm sure is put it back in other bourbon auctions and uh, as a barrel pick and whatnot. So, All right, Mike. Well, we're coming up on the half. So uh, why don't we take a short break here? And when we come back, we're going to try something from the other side of the highway. Right. Yeah. So on the other side of the highway, 64, we're talking about it runs splits Kentucky down the middle. Right. 
Um, Splits Frankfurt down the middle. Yeah. Sort of, kind of. Sort of, kind of. Yeah. We'll talk about the Russell Reserve 10-year, and we'll get deeper into this discussion. But listeners, hey, while you're at it, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We want you to subscribe. We want we want you to know that we have two shows a week. That way, your app goes ahead and tells you, "Hey, these two jokers, they got another show. They might have some fine guests on, like Rob Carter and Matt Simons." Um, then go ahead and scroll down and give us that five star review because my oh. alter ego, this is the big bad booty daddy of bourbon, will come <laughs> find you with his bottle. We'll drink that bottle. You never can tell how that night will end, but it surely is not going to end right. Or if it will. <laughs> or if it will ever <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you all after the break. Well, you know, you can't drink whiskey without glassware. And Mike and I are extremely pleased to have a sponsor like Premium Bar Products. Premium Bar Products offers direct-to-consumer the finest whiskey glasses, cocktail glasses, and bar tools with your own personal engraving. I mean, you can write anything you want on these glasses. Anything from a company logo to a personal statement. And there are no minimum orders. Their direct-consumer platform offers you the opportunity to purchase small quantities of your favorite glass shapes that enhance the pleasure of enjoyment and drinking of whiskey and make it all very positive. They offer the absolute finest trending and handmade glasses as well as a comprehensive range of styles and all of their items have been designed with purpose, practicality, and longevity in mind. So if you're a bourbon or whiskey group and you need custom logos, you need to reach out to Premium Bar Products. If you're an individual, you just want a few for your bar, to impress your friends, to give out as gifts, you need to call Premium Bar Products. They need to be your one and only source for custom glassware. I can tell you right now, the Bourbon Road, that's who we use. Janie and Carson and the team there at Premium Bar Products will take care of you. They'll treat you like family and they'll take care of you with every order. All right, well, we are back and we are talking Pappy Gate and the heist episodes. I don't know, is it episodes four and five or five and six? I think it's five and six. And five it's called and The Bourbon King. The Bourbon King, part one and part two. Let me tell you why that pissed me off so bad. Because he's not the Bourbon King. Well, and they're selling episodes, man. You know, yeah, I just, it just, you know, some things just irk you a little bit and that irks me. You know, I like. I don't consider myself bur- now weedy king of Kentucky. That's a whole different thing, you know. I like some weeded bourbon. Uh, well, so. let me let me ask you this: What would qualify someone to have the moniker mm. the Bourbon King? So my the can- Jimmy what, Russell. What came to my mind first off, Jimmy Russell? Yeah, yeah. 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 Now Jimmy Russell's the Bourbon yeah. King. Yeah, there he's, you go. He's, a good he, he's no doubt the Bourbon King, and with that, or the guy that passed away a couple of years ago from Four Roses, he's great. I mean, he's not what Jimmy Russ was, but he was a great distiller. Al Young, hey, you know, yeah. worthy Al of Young. the moniker, the Bourbon King. You know? Al Young, yeah, somebody that has had a lot of respect in the bourbon culture, and um, maybe has a their name on a bottle. You know that eh, that I'd put it to that. Yeah, speaking of that, what are we drinking now? Well, we got. Russell's Reserve, mm-hmm. Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, ten year old. Now, this is one of my wife's favorite bourbons. She don't like a whole lot of them, mm. but she said this is like drinking cherry juice. This is the ten year old. Well, it, it, I said to you when we when we poured it here just off mic while we were taking a short break. I love it. I think you know, on the nose. I mean, is there better noses out there? Sure, but on the nose, you can tell 
this is going to be sweet. It's going to be good. It, it tastes like it smells like something that you'd pour on pancakes. You know, it, it just yeah. got that mapley oaky, just you know, kind of sweet that, thing going on. Absolutely. Uh, and then it, it, it finishes well. It's a nice, good bourbon. I know that the white label they blend, and then the maroon label is the the single barrel or the, mm-hmm. or the you know barrel proof kind of thing. But for thirty five dollars, and you can find it all day, every day, most anywhere. It's a good whiskey. Well, let's back up for a minute. Let's kind of anybody who has maybe listened to the first half of the episode that yesterday on the way to work and today on the way to work, they're listening to part two, the second half of the episode. Maybe we need to kind of recap a little bit. So we're talking about the whole the whole movie, The Heist. Uh, actually, it's not a movie. Two episodes in a show a on series Netflix, on yeah. Netflix. And uh, um, in that show, uh, it's kind of surrounds the whole thing about Pappy Gate and the theft of bourbon that happened in the teens, in the, what, 2013 through 2017, 2018 timeframe. Mm-hmm. And uh, the two distilleries that were involved were Buffalo Trace and Wild Turkey. And the fellow who kind of, I won't call him the star of the show. You know when they when the when the police put those charts up on the wall, and they got people's people's faces, and then they got the guy at the top, the kingpin, right? Yeah, this guy was the kingpin, right? Mastermind. Mastermind. What was his name? Toby Kurtzinger. Toby Kurtzinger. So this all happened in Frankfort, Kentucky, uh, just a few years back, and Toby did serve just a little bit of time. Yeah, thirty days shock probation. Shock probation. Heard, yeah. He's out now, and he's doing documentaries. Well, you know, so funny you mentioned that. So how did you get, and does the documentary make this connection? How did you get from, I work at Buffalo Trace and I'm taking product that I have access to, to taking product then from Wild Turkey. At some point, you had to jump the shark and be like, he's known as the guy that will move bourbon. Yeah. And that was how they put it all together is another buddy said, hey, I know somebody that will get you some whole barrels. And he's like, well, I can take sell that too. And uh, next thing you know, he's getting barrels and they were spray painting over them. Um, to hide the stamps. To hide the stamps and stuff. And, you know, he had five of those barrels in his yard. Now, my thing is most criminals are dumb, straight out dumb. I don't care who the guy is and how good he is. You f- know that the cops are looking for who's stealing all that bourbon. You're st- maybe not stealing all that pappy, but you're stealing bourbon from that company, right? It At some point, I would have been like, hmm, maybe I need to get rid of all this shit away from my house. Yeah, or buy a storage unit. Yeah. And your cousin's name, put it in there. Or Grandma, something. dead grandma's name, whatever you got to use. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stick it in some barn in, in the middle of a pasture somewhere, but not in the back of your house where people have, there's public access to it. Um, there was a whole bunch of stuff in that documentary. I was like, not to put any blame on Buffalo Trace and Sazerac, right? But when Sazerac bought that company, they're a large enough company to where they were putting uh, barcodes on their barrels. Well, what about putting some cameras up? And I'm sure every one of us watched it said the same thing. Damn, how much does a camera system cost? Well, you guys, you guys talked a little bit about this in, in the first half, Rob. You kind of mentioned it. You know, it kind of has been sort of accepted practice 
over the many years of bourbon distilling that employees would take a little here and a little bit there. Yeah. I think it's but, kind of but a, taking a nip, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know what? And even today, if you're out there slaving in that hot rick house and you're taking a little nip every now and then, you know, I, I really don't. I really personally, I don't have a problem with. It. Yeah, but even even so, you know, to look at the company Buffalo Trace or Sazerac, you know. It's cost versus benefit. You know, mm-hmm. if, if they're losing 100 gallons a month of bourbon to people taking a nip or whatever it is, right. compared to what it costs to hire one more security guard to prevent it, you just take my bourbon. You know, they're probably not going to invest the money because that bourbon is a raw material and a great deal of value to it. But you go in there today, though. A different story. We got Cameras everywhere. Yeah. Well, and, and what we're talking about, too, is if this story would have came out and it would have been like, well, back in 1997 mm. or whatever, you know, yeah. I, I understand yeah. that. Because the yeah. cameras, to be honest with you, the quality of the image was so bad anyway mm. that you never like, – like, this guy robbed a story. I watch an old episode of Cops, you know, like, I don't know who that is. I could – no way I could tell. It's so granular. But in 2000, even in – well, 2008 is what I, I judge technology on because 2008 is when the iPhone came out. Actually, 07. And it had a high-def camera on a phone, right? And so um, IP cameras were readily available to mm. be easily put on to a network without sucking a bunch of bandwidth um, back then. So there's well, that. I, I think I think the politics of it has caused them to have to do what to do yeah. what they've done, yeah. you know, that the, the fact that they can't go through another Pappy gate, they can't have this happen again to them. You know, they can't, they have to learn from their mistakes. Mm-hmm. They have to prevent this theft from going on in the future. I think that the, actually at the end of the day, the amount of bourbon that was stolen, 176 bottles, guys, let's face it. Dropping a barrel. That's nothing. Yeah. That's not worth the salary of one security guard. It's just not. It, it probably wasn't, you know, you think about a, now, I didn't think about this when I was watching the documentary, but at that around them same times, how many rick houses burn up or collapsed and how much bourbon did they lose? And they yeah. have more pressing concerns mm. than a pallet full of pappy disappearing. Yeah. Well, here's another left field question for you guys. But how do we get the name Pappy Gate on this when Pappy was probably the least of what was taken that's what well, threw, I can us, that's for you what as threw well. us all for a loop, but don't you think? I yeah. Mean, well, I mean, I can answer it as yeah. well because it's the most you know glamorous right. mm-hmm. due to allocation uh, bourbon, you know, and that's why it sells mm-hmm. sells looks. But yeah. uh, it wasn't Pappy Gate. This was you know, if anything, it was Wild Turkey Gate or yeah, it was I mean, you know Buffalo Trace Gate or whatever you want to call the it. The actual value, I mean, the actual street value or or retail value of all the bourbon that was taken. Was what twenty six thousand? You said uh, convicted upon, yeah. But in the media and on the you know mm. the show, they talk about being hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, those are secondary market prices, right? Yeah, but also there's the there's probably the tens of thousands of dollars of stuff that was never caught. Yeah, yeah. You know, the only you, you know, it's not what you show; it's what you can prove, right? And so, what was proved in a court of law was equal to a certain amount of dollars, but I guarantee you it, it was hundreds of thousands of dollars of bourbon. I'm sure over time. Yeah. He, he wasn't just the bourbon seller. He was a steroid seller, which is to me, whether you're selling uh, a weed or you're selling steroids, um, you're a drug dealer. He was a, he's a drug dealer. No matter how you look at it, one causes cancer. One causes you to get the munchies and get fat. 
I mean, <laughs> when it boils down to it. Well, you know, uh, I think what we're talking about here is we're talking about crimes of opportunity, right? You know, and, and, and I, you know, it boils back to what I said in the first segment. You know, when you're desperate and you need some extra cash, you're looking for those ways, those things that are easy to get and easy to move. Uh, and nobody's really going to say much because, you know, everybody at the gym, not everybody, but, you know, certain guys at the gym, they're doing the roids. They want them. They get them. They buy them from you. You make you $20, $30 here and there. Uh, same with the bourbon, you know, and um, that doesn't that doesn't excuse it, doesn't make it right. Uh, it just makes it what it is, which is a crime of opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I keep going back to that. But you go back to your teaching as a, as a young man or young woman and you think, man, can I get away with this? And I. A prime example in my life, um, I took my son, I think he was nine or 10 years old at the time. We went deer hunting in Texas and uh, we're on a ranch and nobody's out there. I mean, there's, we're on thousands of acres out there. Nobody's around. I knew nobody was around, but I could see the property line right off in the distance. And I'm not hunting, but my son's hunting. I'd already killed a buck. You get one buck tag and he had his buck tag. I already filled mine and, um, he had this little bit of youth 243 rifle. I mean, it was tiny. Um, it'd probably been hard for me. I could shoot it, but it would been it'd been hard to shoot it for me. But I, I was positive I could shoot it. So we're hunting there, and you know, he's nine or ten year old boy. He's fidgeting all over the place. I'm like, be be quiet, be quiet. There'll be a monster buck out. Sure enough, right up to the fence line, here comes this. I wouldn't say it's a world record. It was the biggest buck I'd ever seen. You know, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh Behemoth. my goodness. Hmm. And I and I was like, hey, that deer crosses that fence, you you blast him. So he never crossed the fence. That deer stayed on the other side of the fence. He walked back and forth, back and forth. And I was getting irritated. I was like, God dang, I'm calling him and he just is not uh, coming. And I thought he probably had a doe up in the cedars up there and he was just out munching on that grass on the edge of the fence he'd he'd dip his old nose down there and get the grass on the other side and come back up and i'm like oh man and i said Can, as soon as he comes over and, and uh he's like I, it's gonna have to come way over or i can't shoot it he's like i don't think i shoot that far and i was like so he finally does cross he walks way down the fence out of range for my son and jumps over the fence and i was like shoot him now shoot shoot that deer and he's like, I can't, I can't shoot that far. It's too far. So I was like, I'll tell you what, ain't nobody out here. I was like, I'll shoot it. We'll tell everybody you shot it. Now, this is some good upbringing right here. He looked at me straight in the eye and he's like, but me and you'll know. Mm. There you go. Oh, and I said, God dang. How can you not be a proud parent at that point and say, yep. that's the difference between right and wrong because mm. me and him would be we would know that we did wrong mm. right you talking about you gave me chills when you said that mm. hey y'all would know yeah. and it wasn't right yeah. yeah and i i knew better and i don't know if i was really testing that time or not i've never killed a deer illegally you wanted that deer bad <laughs> i was like this is a monster this is a monster Enough about you. Back to Kurt Singer. No, <laughs> so back, actually, back to the bourbon. Yeah, back yeah. to the bourbon. Back let's, to the bourbon. Let's talk a little bit yeah. more about this. This Russell's here, Rob. You got anything to say about it? Uh, you know what? It, I'm kind of like you guys. It's always been one of my favorites. Got a sweet flavor. Always recognizable for me, and just um, I don't know, just something. You know, when you talk about a ten year old, uh, that always 
that always um, kind of piques my interest when you when you're in that age range and um, you know you just I don't know you just think back what somebody had in their head ten years ago you know and uh, it's a good one to me it's just got great flavors I've got a buddy that just visited me from Eureka California which if wow. you don't know where that is wow. it's on the very top Eureka of Ooh. California up in Humboldt near Oregon. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's from here. And he said, I, I, every now and then I asked me, Hey, we send you some bourbon. He's like, yeah, don't send me anything. That's not 10 year. Mm. You know, he's like, if it's not that's 10 years, I can probably get it. And yeah. he said, I'd prefer 10 year single barrel. And you know, we trade some goods. He's got some things in California. He can get that. I can't get here and he'll send me to, but anyhow. Yeah. We're a little familiar with Eureka. That's where hey, our man, friends, Mark and Sherry Carter are from Carter with Carter bourbon. Oh, yeah. Oh, Carter. Oh, Carter. Uh, now, I don't know if they still maintain their place out there in Eureka. They've got a place also at the north end, at the north end of Napa Valley, and they've got one here in Louisville as well. Interesting thing about Eureka, California, is it never freezes, but it rarely gets above 75. Wow. They have like, it's kind of a rainy season in the winter where it's like 50 and rainy a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the summer, it's like 68 to 72 and just perfect yeah. and lush. Well, Speaking I was just up of, in Oregon, and I'm yeah. going to tell you what. Mm. At nighttime, it was in the 40s. I was like, it's cold, yeah, it's cold, it's cold no, here. The, I mean, these people don't even, they don't have air conditioners in their homes. Oh, my buddy, Will, he doesn't have an air conditioner in his home. Know, He's like, I don't crazy. need an air conditioner. It's, He's it's like, free well, air conditioning, yeah. Rare days that it gets to 83, yeah. it's not humid, yeah. and we just open the windows up. Exactly. You got, you got you got yeah. breeze blowing through the fog and yeah. Chilling things down. And that was a problem for those Oregoners, or what, what do you call them? Oregonians? Or Oregonians. Uh, is it Oregonians? Yeah, it got hot. Got 117, ago. right? Oh, yeah, wow. it was hot there. And, so, then, um, and nobody has air conditioners. So you guys yeah. need to introduce me to these old Carter people. You know, that was the, the bourbon of choice on my 60th birthday. Oh, when, Rob Carter. When, when old Carter myself turned 60. And, um, I sip on that occasionally, but I, of all my bourbons, I actually kind of savored that one. Well, they're definitely friends of the show. We haven't had, we've had them on a couple of times, but we haven't had them on in probably a good year. Wow. Yeah, with COVID, you know, they were very busy, but yeah. we probably could arrange a meeting. Yeah, that'd it be just cool. you'd have to drive downtown with me. How about that? Oh, I'd drive to Oregon, dude. I don't no, care. they they have a shop. They have a shop nice shop in, down right in uh downtown Louisville. So okay. they now, have an apartment down there too. This show's taking a few left turns, and I know we try to stay on topic, but I've got a buddy who's a neighbor of mine. He's a twenty something guy, guitar player, kind of aloof. He doesn't really even drink that much. He'll drink, but but doesn't he's not a drinker. And he's got a friend um, who is a couple years older whose wife makes $60,000 a year as some sort of a surgeon. No, not a year, a month as some sort of a surgeon. And this guy collects O. Carter, to your point. And he bought, like, when they released some batch, he bought, like, he's got, like, 40% of the bottles. And anyhow, um, my buddy does, my neighbor does some work for him, just goes out and helps him do odd in projects and the guy gives him these bottles of bourbon, which has been a score for me because this guy doesn't drink that much, but he wow. knows I like bourbon. So he comes over the other night, brings Willet Rye, but he has a bunch of O Carter, O Carter Rye. He oh, has man. 
He got the uh, what's the Woodford that's the they did a sherry cask finish on or something or a, a, some sort of a finish recently. He had a little pint of it. It had like a hand printed label on it that this yeah, guy gave it's him. The, the little the three uh, three seventy five three seventy five. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's been a win for me. By the way, on the mm-hmm. bourbon tip is that I've got a, a neighbor who doesn't drink that much but has access, wow. and now has built this whole. He's got a whole cabinet in his parents' basement because he still lives there. He's that young of a twenties. That's nothing but like 150 and up bourbons. Uh, that dude, he can what do you come, get him on the show? He can come live with me if he wants. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I'm glad about this Russell Reserve 10 year. I'm glad that this didn't get stolen. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> so guys like us can enjoy it. At uh, an honest price, I actually picked this up. It was 36 55, I think, at Paradise Spirits mm. and Wine, our good buddy James over oh, there. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's still an honest price for this, though. Every, I didn't have to drive very far, did I? Everything's an honest price there. Yeah. For me, yeah. Uh, not so much the cherries. Now, your wife says cherry juice on it. Yeah. But for me, it's a little bit more um, kind of toffee and maple syrup. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it is a sweet bourbon, though. No doubt about it. I, I like it. I, I like for a bourbon to give me a little bit of nose finish. You know where you kind of the, the the effervescent up in the nose. So it does give just enough of that without being spicy. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, it's got that toffee maple syrup for me. Uh, it gives me a little bit of a nose finish when you drink it neat. When you put it on the rocks, I've noticed that that disappears down a little bit. But that happens for a lot of bourbons yeah. too. So I got a question about this whole Netflix heist. Yeah. The Bourbon King, right? Do you feel like this is going to make the bourbon boom even bigger? But like more people out there be like, damn, that bourbon's so good. They're stealing it. We might as well get some of it. Publicity. Uh, you know what they say? Politicians, man, since uh, time immemorial, even bad publicity is good publicity easy e the former member of nwa what uh rest in peace bought a ten thousand dollar a plate ticket to a ronald reagan fundraiser in texas one time and the media was there just swooping him why would easy e uh buy a ten thousand dollar a plate you know to go to ronald reagan thing and he said i just spade it ten thousand dollars for a million dollars worth of publicity and so yeah. I don't think that you're I, – I can't see it being wrong. <clears throat> um, I, it may even it may even drive the price of Pappy up because people will say, well, I want to know about this Pappy gate. Anything gate, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I want to know about, more about this gate stuff, right? Um, which is inconsequential to guys like us who live right here in the heart of bourbon country and uh, – we won't go that and down that road about the whole Pappy thing, but you know, you know, it, it's inconsequential to us. But that allocation, you know, um, strategy will continue to succeed because now it's out there in California and and all over the world. Of hey, this guy stole this stuff. It must be great. You know the and and I guess we should have probably said in the first five minutes of the show that this is a uh, spoiler alert, right? Spoiler alert. We're going to yeah. talk all about the show right <laughs> into the last thing they say on the show. Yes. So we hope you still want to go out and watch it. I think it's a good show to watch. I get to, I, I think you get to see a lot of people have talked about it. You get to see what actually happened mm-hmm. from the producers and the director's point of view. 
Yeah. But um, the the one thing I I thought was just well, there were two things I thought really captured my attention. One was like you said, Mike. I had no idea Wild Turkey was involved. That's something that I just learned. I had no clue that all those barrels of wild turkey were probably the largest portion of the bourbon that was taken. And then the second thing is, is that our friend Toby, was his last name again? Kurtzinger. Kurtzinger. Mm-hmm. Toby Kurtzinger. Yeah. The, uh, the kingpin, the top of the pyramid guy who was involved in all of this, did not actually steal the pappy from Pappygate. Yeah, the guy yeah. that stole it all yeah. got immunity. Mm-hmm. Um, or he stole the lion's share of the Pappy Van Winkle. Yep. Um, Angling. Before he answered everything, so they said, hey, we're going to give you immunity. And he, you know, once it's on tape and they promise immunity to him. Um, they couldn't prosecute him. Yeah, he's got free. And He's like, okay, now that I got immunity, yeah, I took all whatever. He started out saying what? I took one case. No, mm. I, I took two. No, I took eight. No, I took 17 mm. cases of Pappy or something. It, yep. That kind of still boggle my mind, but I I don't think that fellow is working for Buffalo Trace anymore. Let's get to a bigger issue real quick. I don't know how much time we got left here, but if there wasn't the allocation of Pappy and it was what it was, you know, we were talking about this weekend. My friend from Eureka recalled with me that in 1992, we were seniors in high school and our friend, Mr. Jeff, had a party at his parents' house. He was a sophomore. He decided to have a big boy party, invite some seniors over. And we got in his dad's liquor cabinet. There was a bottle of Pappy 20 sitting right there. And we cashed it. It was open. And the neck was drank out of it. Uh, and we cashed it. It's all your dad. I'll never miss it. Put iced tea in it. It's all good. And then we stumbled out of the party like Snoop Dogg and the D- Dre Day video into the bushes and, <laughs> and disappeared into the night. But um, – that bottle probably cost Mr. Ron, uh, you know, 50, 60 bucks or whatever sure. you know, that, that bourbon was in. Maybe. Is the alloc- Yeah, maybe. So is the, you know, the bigger thing is, is another issue to discuss is that allocation, the inflation of prices of this whiskey lead to these types of devious behaviors. Mm. Well, I, it probably does um, because it wasn't just Kentucky news at the time. It was it was world news. You know, they showed a documentary that is on, you know, Good Morning America. It, it was all over the place. Well, nobody, they wouldn't have put a, just a story about somebody stealing an old granddad bottle and bond. No, it was <laughs> still at that time. It was still a, a great bottle of bourbon. And it's, it's it's a great bottle of bourbon. Yeah. yeah, it's a great bottle of bourbon. Um, no doubt. You know, there is a reason why everybody covets it. Not that just because it's weeded bourbon, but um, <laughs> it's because it's pappy, you know, and it's, people still love it. There, there's a reason Weller is, um, you know, people love Weller. It's so hard to get. Yeah. It, it's a good bourbon. Did this, will this drive the sell up? Will it drive the bourbon boom up? I totally believe it will. Um, it's, at one point, it's bad for Kentucky, I think. Um, but at the same time, damn, is it going to be good for Kentucky to have that um, in the national spotlight? And people will be like, hey, what's this? Is wild turkey really that good? People would steal it. Yeah, I and, mean, we're right in the middle, middle of it. So we think, you know, what, what effect could this have? But, you know, it's still bourbon is still a niche in the world of, of distilled spirits. Yeah, of whiskey. Of whiskey. Well, I mean, it's still a category. Mm-hmm. It's still a division of all the people that drink distilled spirits. Bourbon is 
a subsection of that. It's a subsection of a subsection. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And if you exactly. if you'll give yourself a little time and you and you want to kind of learn the bourbon industry and the the taste and the feel of it, you know. I mean, you think about drinking stuff straight. Um, you know, here as an old guy, I kind of got tired of getting bloated by, you know, 72 ounces of beer and, you know, um, mixing all kinds of stuff with tequila and vodka to, to, to drink it down and, and to, to finally take a, a sip of bourbon and to experience a lot of different flavors and, and, Oh, man, just you you know smells and 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 that whole concept of bourbon and just sip on it. Look, I'm not. I'll tell you, it's an acquired taste. You you may not like it day one, but if you want to drink a little alcohol, have a little enjoyment, and taste some unique flavors, give yourself some time, go into it easily, sip on it savor it and learn to like it so to speak i mean i don't know it sounds stupid but uh i mean to me bourbon is the diet drink of choice all these all this stuff (laughs) all this stuff has the same number of calories in the 1.5 ounce pour but most of them you're trying to put coke and Something else Lime in juice it. Or something. something else in it to make well, it taste good. I thought you were going, Rob. Was if you want to get into bourbon and hear the stories uh, I love of, that of the too. of the, of Thank the you. industry. Thank you. Go and, there. I mean, that's where I think the real charm of bourbon lies, and that's where the Chief, to answer your question, I think that's where this lies. Yep. It goes down into the lore of bourbon, which Beautiful. was started. It started a whole sport, NASCAR. Wheeling around moonshine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's true. Um, I mean, this this liquor that we have in our glass right now has spawned an industry. It's built houses. It's built empires. It's ruined lives. It's it's made lives. It has um, made good friendships. Good Mm. friendships. It's created a whole sport. It's, I mean, you want to get into the, where I thought you were going, Rob, was if you want to get into the lore of bourbon, this is just another brick in the wall, yeah. as Pink Floyd would say. Yeah, well, you, you, I agree with you, Rob. About yeah. uh, hey, I I love some beer. Jim will tell you that I can I can drink just a tiny bit of beer. Um, <laughs> I, I might know there's one other man that might be able to sit with me and drink beer. And he might be sitting here with me probably. Um, but yeah. I went it, in the I went in the liquor store the other day and I wanted me some Modelo. Right, I like uh, Modelo. Every yeah, me too. Good so stuff. I went in to get me a case of Modelo and I walked into the cooler and there's a big old case of Modelo right there. I was like, "That's I'm going to grab it. So I grabbed it. I went up. I paid for it. I got home. I opened it up. It was 12 32-ounce bottles. 12 32-ounce bottles. Oh, it was the big ones? It was the big ones. I made the opposite mistake. I got the little ones recently. (laughs) (laughs) Modelitos. And I tell you what, I was very upset at first. (laughs) But then I realized that I never drink just one beer. So it's perfect. It's right. like two 16 ounce pours. That's right. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. That's right. So it worked out all right. Well, I think it, it, you hit spot on the head. If if you're looking to work out and not feel bloated, I'm a big dude. And I felt if I drink a whole bunch of beer, I feel like I'm bloated. I don't feel good. Um, I don't know if I necessarily feel because I like to drink wheat beer and it probably does hurt my joints a little bit. So I can sit down and drink some whiskey, uh, especially on a nice cool evening or something or in the wintertime, uh, have one pour. I don't feel bad about it. Uh, it's 
it's good to to learn how to drink it and stuff and learn about this subset of yeah. of the whiskey world and stuff. Um, it's sweeter than scotch. Um, yeah. Doesn't have that smoky taste all the time. You might have that smoke from the barrel itself, but most of the time it's going to have that little bit of sweetness to it, right, Jim? That's right. Um, so and you can throw it on a cube of ice and 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 kind of chill that's it down. If, that's well, sacrilegious. No, it, I'm just teasing. Well, no, it uh, sort of is for me. I don't do it anymore. No, you should. You should do what you want. It's your I bourbon. Know, yeah. I know. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll go there. I um, enjoy it neat many times, but I, if I'm having a cocktail, you know, and having a night, I don't mix it. And that's what y'all are getting to is that you don't yeah. have to mix it. There's enough flavor there. I'll throw it on a, a cube ice, get my little square cube out. I'll throw it on there and I'll let it, you know, I'll have a couple of, of sips off of it before it gets let it open up. diluted. And then I'll mm-hmm. let it open up and, and it's chilled and uh, it's nice in the summer. Now in the winter, I find myself not drinking a lot of iced bourbon. I'll, I'll do it mostly neat. Uh, in the fall and the winter, um, but in and in the spring, but in the summer, yeah, I'll throw a cube in there. Well, let's let everybody know that no Coca Cola was harmed in the taping of this episode. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah, in fact, we've got a lot more bourbons on the table than yeah. we talked about tonight. But what, we, well, I I wanted to make sure that we had some more wild turkey and some more uh, mm. Buffalo Trace products here. So I did bring in. I know we had a couple other guests here uh, from out of town, so I wanted to get a. A good taste of so Kentucky. even though we're not going to taste them tonight, Mike, talk about the other two bottles that you brought. Well, there's four Three. extra four bottles, four extra bottles, yeah. Bottles, and we got a bottle of Elmer Tealy, right? Um, thank you. It's a hard to get bottle, right? Um, mm-hmm. it's just the regular 100 proof. Mm-hmm. And then I bought brought a bottle of the 17 year old wild turkey bottled in bond. It's excellent, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, a great bourbon, a little oaky on that one because of the 17 years and Don't stuff. I apologize for that. Uh, and then I brought some Woodford Reserve Batch Proof 128.3. That was this year's release. That's my finisher. Oh, man. That's a big boy bourbon right there. Yeah, it and, is. And you can expect us to do a review on that shortly. Um, and then I was over at Lexington today, Jim. Yeah. And uh, me and you had had some buzzard Roost. Um, recently, and they had that toasted rye, and I, you know, man, that toasted rye is pretty damn delicious, right? Uh, from Jason uh, Bruner over at uh, Bourbon's Bistro. Um, so I saw a bottle of that, and I just had to grab it, and I, I thought I'd bring that and share some of that tonight with with our good friends uh, Matt and Rob here, our uh, regular guest on the show, as we would call them. Now, um, they've made a couple appearances on the yeah. on the show, so that's what we got lined up. Plus our Eagle Rare, plus our rehearsal reserves, and what a great discussion, guys! Uh, we appreciate you coming on here and talking about that Netflix yeah. um, heist documentary, The Bourbon King. I thought it was a great discussion. Me and Jim talked about. It. I talked about you two guys, and yeah. um, just to kind of give everybody our viewpoint, we're we all. Yeah, pretty much on the same point, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, all four of us have committed sin in our lives. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, that, you know, but we a, all know that. Yeah. Hey, that, you got to repent at some point. Yeah, I won't be yeah. cast in the first stone. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. That's right. You know, um, and, and you know, thank you for that saying that. As a Christian, you know, gosh, your heart goes out to this whole episode of stuff. You know, I, I hate it for. These guys that are even on this stupid episode. Their wives. Their wives, their family. Their the, two kids, kids. the kids. The kids. They were in tears. They were in tears, yeah. were in oh, tears yeah. almost yeah. every time they were on the camera. Well, I, I'll yeah. tell you, I, I, I 
I really couldn't quit crying myself. Uh, you know, we're all f- fallible people and, you know, it's just, uh, we could all get caught up in stuff. And, uh, these are, these guys are great guys. You know, uh, this group of guys, I mean, come on softball team, you know, it resonates with me a little bit and, um, good bunch of guys just kind of got caught up in some stuff. You know, how about let's show them some grace and mm. and love and uh, mm. let's don't cast any stones. So it's uh, you know, it was a cool little show. Pappy's Pappy's, uh, you know, reeling now. And uh, you know what? We like bourbon. We, we like them. I'd love to sit down with any of those guys and talk about softball, not stupid shit. So you know, Rob, one time yep. I, I I cast a stone like that. Yeah. And five stones hit me in the oh, head. Oh, man. Boy, boy, boy. <laughs> so I'll say this. You know what? As we've talked this through, I yep. think I've, I'm, I haven't come three, you know, 180. As people always say 360 mistakenly because 360 you'd end up back where you started. But but I've, I've come 90 on this and that not all of this was bad for the bourbon industry. And um, I don't want to see it happen again. Yep. I, I want to see um, people live fruitful lives where they don't have anything on their conscience that they have to deal with. Uh, But I don't think these guys were uh, Capone. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, you know, they, they did some wrong. Mm. They got convicted or not, or whatever happened. They paid their price. That's all behind us. Now they're all, Mm. they're all paid their, their dues to, to, to society, society on probation and all whatnot. That's right. So, Mm. you know, the kind of, it's all behind us now. It's all a different day. Um, we get to enjoy the story. We get to learn a little bit about what happened. It was kind of great today to sit down and talk about this and kind of reflect on, you know, what if or how if. Um, you know, Rob, when you were talking about bourbon earlier, you're talking about uh, it being um, a dinner drink, about it being the only thing you need is low calorie. It got me thinking about that beef commercial. You remember that beef commercial? Where's the beef? Beef. What's for dinner? What's That's for dinner? It. It's Bourbon. what's for dinner. Bourbon. What's for dinner? <laughs> Bourbon. It's what's for dinner. Hey, I, baby, what would you have for dinner tonight? Bourbon. Bourbon. <laughs> Just bourbon. You know, at the end of the day, when I take everything out of this, right? At the end of the day, bet you Sazerac and Buffalo Trace, if they were being honest, they made a shit ton of money off of this. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh yeah. 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 This is this is the key to their future. Looking back eight years, you know, this is. Oh, it was b- back then. It drove the bird boom, and I think they're they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna make a lot more money. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, once again, back to my Easy thing. How many Republicans you think uh, bought Easy E's album the next day to see what it was about, and then ripped their hair out when they heard it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, where can people find us on the internet? So you can find us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever Y'all be TikToking? Y'all be TikToking? Oh, well, I don't know. We're, <laughs> we do have some TikToks coming from Sarah and Adam. So you be looking for those. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna help us out and make some. So look for those funny videos coming from them. Uh, I don't know if they're gonna dress up as Big Chief and Jim. 
Oh, uh, I, I, I want to dress up as Big Chief, Rob. You can do gym. We, oh, we could totally do this. All right, yeah, we can do. You need some hair. Our fill is. You both are going to need a lot of hair. We'll get wigs. We'll get wigs. So yeah, that's where you can find us at. We also have a private Facebook group called the Bourbon Roadies on Facebook. Twenty two hundred and growing every day. We got some great people in there. We got master distillers. We got authors. We got chefs. We got the industry folks from the bourbon culture. You want to check that out. Join that group. We got three rules. You got to be 21. You got to love bourbon. Hell, who don't like bourbon? Mm. I mean, come on now. And we don't tolerate any what, Jim? No rudeness allowed. Mm. We got to be friends. Yeah. I like you. You like me. We talk about bourbon. We take pictures of it. We share bourbon. Most importantly, we share bourbon. Yeah. So if you want to celebrate a birthday or retirement, um, you want to celebrate a death of a friend, meaning you're celebrating their life and you want to raise a glass to them and say cheers to that life. We want you to be able to do that in there. If you want to bottle, buy a bottle of some bottom shelf bourbon and that's your first bourbon and you want to celebrate that, post that picture up in there. Nobody's going to beat you up for it. Just I'm not going to beat you up because I love me some bottom shelf bourbon all day, every day. Who doesn't? You know, it's like my son. He loves some Blantons. If he went into another group, people would beat him up for loving Blantons. But guess what? That's what he loves. He loves it. I love him for that, that he sticks to his guns on that. Um, so we want to raise the glass up to you. Whatever you love, we're going to love it. We're going to put great comments on there. So check out that group. Please join the Bourbon Roadies. We do some great giveaways in there. We actually have. This is your last show before you get to this is the last chance so if you're listening to this episode i want you to perk up those ears and listen in because this is your last chance to get into our contest right mike yeah so we have a bourbon blending contest you want to check out our episode on that it'll be on our webpage, the bourbonroad.com go to articles you'll go down to the article that has a photo of the old hoot and the big chiefs blend on there go to the article read in there you'll see the rules you'll see my address where to send it to um you got like three or four days left send us your blend you can put two bourbons there they got to be between 95 and 105 send us our your blend we got some special guest judges that are going to come on with us we're going to not just anybody just not just anybody. Not just, and these are real bourbon judges, right? Well, Ashley Barnes is one of them. She oh, wow. is the wicked witch of bourbon. She she's that witchy woman that can just make some magic happen with so she's, bourbon. She's saving distilleries every day by blending their bourbons and getting them out of trouble spots, right? Yeah. I mean, how can wow. you not love that and stuff? And she, she's a Kentuckian from over in Harrisburg. Um, we love her. She's been a guest on the show many times. Um, so send your stuff in for us. We got some great prizes for that winner. We have a barrel head that's going to be engraved with the bourbon road on there. We're going to put some other stuff on that barrel head, uh, a bourbon bullshitter t-shirt, a bourbon road t-shirt, a bourbon Glen Karen and a hat. Rob called me cheap the other day. Um, <laughs> what? I don't remember that. Yeah. So it will also hmm. throw in some of our bourbon blends, me and Jim's. And then for the best name out there, you got to name your bourbon. Name your bourbon. Um, we're going to throw in a glass and a, a bottle of each of our blends, a bottle of four ounce pour. Um, 
check that out. Make sure you send us in there your blend. You got three to four days left. It's got to be postmarked by the first. I'd probably even take the second, Jim, because I think Monday. I mean, we're not hardliners. Yeah. I mean, if it's a day late, I think we'll be okay. But uh, understand that internally, we're going to draw a line somewhere. I've only got three three samples at my house right Whoa, now. Depends that's on not how good. good it is. Well, hey. it's it's a lot of fun to blend bourbon. I mean, it's a lot of fun. And I'll, oh. I'll give you I'll give you a few tips here. All right, you need to pick a base. You got to pick a base, some base bourbon that sort of forms the wild core. turkey rare breed. There's mm. a good one. Yeah, absolutely, wild turkey rare breed. Pick a base. Pick something that's going to form that base. Then get something that takes it in a really crazy direction. Something that rye whiskey. Well, you can't well, put rye in it. It's, it's got to be a bourbon. Oh, but you could do a high rye bourbon that high takes it in that bourbon, direction. Yeah. And then your third bourbon, and you can have more than three if you want, but if you take that third one, you should try to balance it out. You're probably looking for something that's a little sweeter, maybe a toasted or something else that's got a little mm. more sweetness in it. And you get that nice balance, that core base, you get a little bit of age in there. Be surprised at what you can do. Yeah, and if you guys aren't doing infinity bottles, by the way, that's kind of the concept of the infinity bottle, right? They have these casks online. You can go. I went to Amazon, got one. It's called Truth Serum. It looks great. And I, you know, I just pour the little ends of bottles in there, and every now and then I'll I'll take a pour of it, and I'm like, ooh, what do I have in here? Because this is good, you know. And then every now and then I'll take a pour, and I'm like, oh, man, keep pouring, you know. Um, but yeah, that's it's the same concept, right? It's a little blend, and it's trial and error because good whiskey A plus good whiskey B doesn't make good whiskey C. Sometimes no, it, it makes bad whiskey C. So you got to try. It's trial and error. You got to do a few tastes, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I had a blast doing it. Mike's had a blast doing it. Um, I I really think Rody should take a hold of this and run with it. And I do too. A lot of fun. Hey, you in the past when I've been on here have asked me what I'm promoting. Do you mind if I promote something real quick? Something where that's dear and dear to both your all's hearts too? Let's do it. Here in Shelbyville on August the 21st, we're going to have the Shelbyville Jeep Invasion. I'm a Jeep guy as well as a bourbon guy. And we're going to have over 100 modified crazy looking Jeeps. But we're also going to have a concert down at the Barrel Room here in Shelbyville with a national artist named Dusty Bow, who's from Louisville and spent about 14 years out in LA cutting his teeth with a couple of touring bands. And he's going to be playing for us at the barrel room that night from seven to 11 on August the 21st. Love to have any of the roadies come out and the barrel room is not only known for their beer, uh, but they also are also known for their bourbon. They have a lot of good pours in there. We can also go in a barrel room and ask for the bourbon road flight. And that's a flight of bourbon that me and Jim have curated for them. Oh, it's sweet. what we love. Um, so you go in there, ask for that bourbon road flight. You might even get a drink out of one of our glasses. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm coordinating this with the owner of the barrel room, and I am going to offer you 10% off of that flight if you mention the Bourbon Road podcast and say, I want the Bourbon Road flight. Uh, Fred's going to set you up with 10% off of that flight. I'll make sure that happens uh, on the day of. Awesome. That's so awesome. And I guess the, the streets of Shelbyville will be lined with Jeeps. No, what we're going to do is we're going to meet down on the uh, on the west end of town. The police are going to parade us all the way through town. It'll be a huge Jeep parade at 4.30 p.m. Mm -hmm. um, we'll be meeting in a private lot 
which is just down at the edge of downtown, uh, down by Third Street. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that goes on till about 630. And we'll push everybody up to the barrel room for the music that starts at 7. Uh, so it'll be a big huge downtown party like we do here fourth fridays in shelbyville kentucky are always big parties but this one is on a saturday august 21st and dusty bow you do not want to miss if you like americana country uh roots rock just good sounding you know anything like that you'll like dusty bow so if you have a jeep yeah this is the place to be Uh, actually thank you for that if you have a Jeep, meet at the Village Plaza Shopping Center in Shelbyville. It's right on the main drag. It's behind the Dairy Queen. Harbor uh, Freight Tools, right Harbor there. Harbor Freight Tools between 4 and 4.30. At 4.30 is when the parade starts. And you can have any kind of stock Jeep you want. There will be plenty of modified, fun, big big tires, big lifted Jeeps. But just come out there and meet people and have a good time. Uh, my club, the Christian Jeep Association, uh, is sponsoring this event. And we're looking forward to having hundreds of Jeeps and just people having a good time and enjoying spirits responsibly. Well, remember that there's also some distilleries in Shelbyville. For, so if you want to come to some distilleries beforehand, there's Jeff the Creed Distillery right on yep. I-64. Bullet Bourbon. And then there's Bullet Bourbon. I mean... Everybody loves some bullet bourbon, right? Well, and there are a plethora now, and I don't use that term lightly, of Airbnbs and VRBOs in Shelbyville that are nice. I'm talking about nice. HGTV. Yeah, HGTV nice. Or, you know, you can, there's some that are more, you know, a little bit more affordable. Not that those aren't affordable, uh, but yeah, HGTV nice. uh, Come down and make a weekend of it. Come down on Friday the 20th. Join us all weekend. Stay to the 22nd and have a great party on Saturday. And I'll get Big Chief and Jim out there and we'll do the Bourbon Road flight with you guys. 10% off at the Barrel Room. I'll drink one with you. No doubt about it. (laughs) All right, Michael, we do two shows a week. We do a long episode like today's extra long today. Actually, we really got into detail. Uh, We do a short episode uh, on Mondays where we kind of spotlight a craft distillery. We look at a a smaller brand, somebody who's trying to sort of step out of the box and do something a little bit different. Uh, We'd love to have you listen to both episodes every week. What should they do to make sure that they don't miss an episode? Well, like I said before, you want to scroll on up, hit that subscribe button and scroll on down and hit that five-star review. Like I said before, we don't want the big bad booty daddy of bourbon to come find you with his bottle. Uh, It'll be a very dark (laughs) night. A dark night, indeed. Are you going to put on lipstick like the dark night? (laughs) I don't know about all that. (laughs) Well, we're always looking for great ideas. If you've got, uh, if you've got somebody you'd like to see on the show, if you've got a, if you're from small town USA and you've got a local distiller and you think their light needs to be shined a little bit, let Mike and I know about it. We'll reach out to them. We'll taste their bourbon. We'll have them on the show. We'll give them a shout out. We're always trying to lift up these small and emerging distilleries. And if, if you know an Olympian, by the way, if anybody that's listening to this podcast knows an Olympian, email Hal, and we'd like to get them on for an Olympic show, right? That'd be great. I'd love to have Lee Kiefer on. Now, she just won gold in fencing, right? Yeah. Pretty amazing. From Lexington. From Lexington. So if you know Olympian, uh, send me an email, Mike at the Bourbon Road. Um, we want to do this show like quickly. So as soon as you hear this, if you do know Olympian, they don't have to win a gold or a silver or bronze. If they competed in the Olympics, we want to know them. If they drink bourbon, we want to know them. Uh, so we have on a Bourbon Road and see how their journey was to the Olympics. I'm not talking about this year's Olympics. I'm talking about any Olympics. 
1962, my brother Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so send me email. We want to know about that. Uh, so Jim, where can they find us at? So you can always reach us on Instagram. I'm Jay Shannon 63. I'm one big chief. And we will see you down the bourbon road. Bourbon road.